Chapter 15 of the Pony Rider Boys in New England. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sargent Gagan. The Pony Rider Boys in New England by Frank G. Payton. Chapter 15 A Disastrous Journey. Several days had passed, finding the Pony Rider boys in the same camp where Cale Vaughn had left them. They had gotten along very well indeed, and though Charlie John was not much of a talker, he had done his work well, taking the boys out every day for long jaunts, on which the professor had formed the habit of accompanying them. Professor Zeppelin was finding much to interest him in the great forest and especially in the methods pursued by woodsmen in making their way through the forest. The trees, the bushes, the foliage, and the birds and animals had taken on new meaning, a new interest to the professor, just as these things had taken on a new and absorbing interest for the boys under his charge. Of course, Cal Vaughn was greatly missed by everyone. He was the most interesting guide that had ever accompanied them, for one thing, they had learned more from Cal than from any other guide. The only way they could learn from Charlie John was by observation, as he never deemed it necessary to explain anything to them. For its reason, they pressed him hard for information and drew him out by frequent questions. The Pony Rider boys finally decided that they would like to move. So the camp was struck, their equipment packed and loaded on the ponies, then one morning they started out on a two-day's journey, finally locating a new camp some thirty miles from the old camp. The country had become more rugged. The rocks were higher, the country cut up by deep valleys and narrow passes, but the bracing fragrance of spruce woods was still in their nostrils. It was a country of evergreen, of mossy silver birches and watery maples. The ground itself was sprinkled with small red berries, strewn with damp and moss-grown rocks, with the songs of the birds filling the air overhead. The Pony Rider boys voted it the most entrancing environment in which they had ever been. They were glad they had moved on. Now they were eager to explore the new country, so a start was made on an exploring trip on the following day. But traveling was slow, owing to the rugged nature of the part of the forest. On the second day in the new camp, they journeyed so far to the north that they decided to make a temporary camp and spend the night, returning the next morning. The night was passed uneventfully, but upon their return to the permanent camp, they were met with a most unpleasant surprise. "'Someone has been here,' cried Tad the moment he came in sight of the camp. "'Thieves!' yelled Chunky. "'What, what?' demanded the professor. The contents of the tents lay strewn about the camp. Everything was in disorder. "'Plenty bear come here,' grunted Charlie, after a glance at the condition of the camp. "'Bears!' cried the boys. The Indian nodded. "'Him get plenty eat.' "'Oh, sure. Our provisions are ruined,' groaned Tad. Even the canned goods have been ruined, added Ned. Are, are my canned peaches gone, too? wailed Stacy. Well, you may see for yourself, answered Tad. This is most disconcerting, muttered the professor. How about the meat? 
All gone, answered Tad. I reckon we shall have to live on spruce bark for the rest of our journey, averred Ned. We can't very well do that, answered Butler. Let's go over the outfit and see what we really have left. What they had was not enough to cut much figure in the face of the appetites of the Pony Rider boys. A few of the canned things were untouched. There was coffee, though they had to scrape it up from the ground after it had been pawed over by the marauders. But the boys were glad enough to have the coffee even in such conditions. Tad said he guessed the bears did not make it unfit to drink. Of course, they had some provisions in their packs left over from their trip into the mountains, but a careful inventory led them to the conclusion, with the most rigid economy, they would be able to get along no longer than three days with what provisions they had. I reckon I'd better go out and kill another moose, decided Stacy. You've done quite enough in that direction already, answered Tad. We are fortunate if we don't get into trouble with that killing of yours. This is serious, spoke up the professor. What shall we do, Charlie? Me kill deer, said Indian. Deer are out of season. We don't want to do anything of that sort, except at the last resort, replied Butler. We simply must have more provisions. Send Stacy around to the grocery store for a fresh supply, suggested Rector. But no one laughed at Ned's silly jest. The situation was far too serious for joking. Charlie, how far are we from a town? asked Tad. Maybe twenty, maybe thirty miles, answered the Indian, counting on his fingers. What town is it? Matungamuk. That's a funny name, chuckled Stacy. Your name will be more funny if we don't get something to eat pretty soon, returned Tad, at which Chunky's face grew solemn. When it came to a question of food, the fat boy was deeply interested. That's so, nodded Rector. Professor, it is my opinion that we should send Charlie to the place with the unpronounceable name for fresh supplies, said Tad, turning to Professor Zeppelin. How long will it take? Can you make it in two days, Charlie? The Indian nodded. Maybe more, maybe less. Then I guess we had better send you. I want to go too, piped up Chunky. May not be a bad idea, agreed the Professor. Do you need anyone, Charlie? asked Tad. Me take Fat Boy. Fat Boy can help carry grub. He will carry the large part of it inside of him if you don't watch out, and that won't do us any good, declared Ned Rector. Then you had better take two ponies, suggested Butler. Me walk, answered the Indian. Oh, just as you choose, agreed the professor. I would suggest, though, that you take a horse. You won't be able to carry enough provisions otherwise. Me walk, insisted Charlie John. Let him walk, urged Ned. He will carry as much as a horse, and Stacy's mount will take care of the rest. I'm not sure that we ought to let Chunky go, mused Tad. He may get into further trouble, and Charlie may not be able to get him out of it. We take care of Fat Boy, answered Charlie, confidently. All right, Charlie, we will hold you responsible. Get back as soon as you can. Shall you see Mr. Vaughn? The Indian shook his head. Mr. Vaughn, as they understood it, had gone to another place. They hoped to see him back at camp again in so many days. Get your packs ready, Stacy, advised Ned. I will look out for that, Ned, answered Tad. I know what they need for carrying stuff. You and the professor might make out a list of the supplies we need while I'm getting the other things ready. This the professor did, 
with the assistance of Rector and Walter Perkins. Stacy Brown, changing his clothes so that he might be more presentable upon entering a town, frequent consultations with Tad were had. However, as to what was needed for the outfit, Tad had ideas, and he expressed them forcibly. Finally, all was in readiness. The Indian and the boy, taking barely enough provisions to last them until they should have reached their destination, probably on the following morning. Goodbyes were said, and Stacy, with Charlie John striding ahead, leading the way, left camp. They were quickly swallowed up in the dense forest. Tad stood gazing after them, a thoughtful expression on his face. I don't know whether we have done the wise thing or not, he mused. I'll get you a new sombrero that Chucky gets mixed up in some sort of mess before he gets back to camp, offered Ned Rector. Oh, he's in good hands, answered the professor. Oh, I guess he'll be all right, declared Tad. The guide has nothing else to do except to look after Stacy until they get to town. He surely will not get into mischief there. Not get into mischief there, jeered Ned. I should like to see the place in which Stacy Brown couldn't get into trouble. Oh, I'm quite sure that Stacy will be careful, observed the professor, smiling. If you fellows will lend a hand, we will try to put this camp back to rights, said Tad. It looks as though it had been struck by a Kansas cyclone, except that the trees are all standing in this locality. I agree with you. Where shall we begin? asked Walter. Well, you get the tent belongings back in place, and I will gather up what is left of the provisions. Oh, this is a fine mess of porridge. It wouldn't be so bad if we had some porridge, declared Rector. There is another thing to be taken into consideration, reminded Tad, pausing in his work. We must not leave this camp unguarded again. We must also keep watch during the night. Those bears may come back. They appear to like our grub. You think they may come back with some of their friends? questioned Perkins. I wouldn't be surprised if they did, answered Tad with a smile, but... They'll get a hot reception if they do. I can promise them that much. I hope they come back then, laughed Ned. Some nice bear steak would not go so badly just now, in the present state of our pantry and pork barrel. That's so, agreed Tad. One steak would be enough. We don't need quite as many bears as visited us the first time. That day came to a close quickly. Tad remained up, staying on guard until three o'clock in the morning, when he called Ned to take his place. Ned could be depended upon to keep a vigilant watch. As it turned out, there was no need for a watch of any kind. No bears appeared, nor was the camp molested in any way. The day was spent by the boys in making short excursions into the woods, blazing their way, making trails, and putting into practice theories in woodcraft learned from Cale Vaughn. Fortunately, none of the party got lost. Tad saw to it that they did not get far enough away for that. Besides, he had agreed with the professor, who remained to watch the camp, to have him blow a horn once every hour. That would serve to guide the boys back in case they lost their way, which they did not. The second morning arrived with no sign of the Indian or of Chunky. This did not cause serious alarm, but when three days had elapsed and still no travelers, Tad Butler began to get uneasy. This uneasiness of his part was shared by Professor Zeppelin, while Ned Rector's face wore a I-told-you-so expression. 
It was sometime about three o'clock on the morning of the fourth day when Tad, who was on watch, caught a sound that he thought was caused by a horse crashing through the bushes. The boy did not arouse the camp, but stood waiting with the rifle, held and ready in the crook of his right arm. A few moments later, Charlie John burst into camp astride of a pony, white lather standing all over the body of the little animal. Charlie was alone. "'Where's Stacy Brown?' demanded Tad sharply. "'That boy, Matungamook,' grunted the Indian, slipping from the pony. He thrusted a folded sheet of brown wrapping paper toward Tad. The boy now knew that something had happened to Chunky. Quickly opening the paper and holding it down in the light of the campfire, Tad read what was written on the sheet. This is the message he read, written in a lead-pencil scrawl. "'Come quickly. I'm in jail in Yugamuk. Stacy!' "'Professor!' yelled Tad Butler excitedly. End of chapter 15 Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan